Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to look at one of my favorite writers and philosophers, Thomas Chatterton Williams. And his article is in The Atlantic, and it's called The People Who Don't Read Books. And uh, the, the title is, it is about books, but it's about so much more. He connects the concept of book reading and the virtues that come with book reading. He connects that to um, ideas like what does it mean to be a free thinker and how does a moral foundation help someone become a free thinker? So there's so many topics here and it's just classic Thomas, Thomas Chatterton Williams. I really, really enjoy his work because he's one of those guys who He's not going to give you just a liberal perspective or a conservative perspective. He, he's going to try to look at issues, examine issues in an objective way, in an honest, authentic way. And I appreciate that. And that's one of the goals on the Classics podcast, to look at events, issues, topics in a way that's as objective as, you know, and logical and honest as, as we can be. And so I'm a big fan of William's work. I definitely, definitely recommend a lot of his articles and, and books. Losing My Cool is one of my favorites. It's um, I mentioned this in the podcast. It's a book that's about hip-hop culture and philosophy and his um, relationship with his father. That's the first time I was actually introduced to Thomas Chatterton Williams. So it's been a long time. I've been reading this guy for a long time. And um, I'm kind of surprised that this is the first time I've I've brought up his article to the uh, to the podcast or one of his articles. But I think it's because I connected with the topic. I love books. I listen to more books now than I read just because I have three kids. It's hard to just, you know, read books when you're when you're working full time and you have kids. It's hard. Right. But. I, the way I do it is by listening and occasionally reading a book. Uh, I typically read more articles now, but I, I have to be honest. I When I read, I reflect more. I tend to uh, really get more pleasure from the process. So I'm not really sure why I don't make more time for myself. I wish I did, and that's always a goal of mine. So maybe as I get older, I'll do that. Hopefully. So appreciate you listening to the Class X podcast. Appreciate all the new people who have subscribed and the new people who have purchased uh, my, my book. So that's uh, much appreciated. The book is on Amazon. Um, Memories from a Life Once Lived. And so that's that's really much appreciated. And thanks for, for subscribing. This is a podcast that has grown because of listeners. Because of listeners, you've passed it on to each other. And... Um, me and John both appreciate that so much. Also, check out the uh, Facebook page if you want to join and leave any comments on there. We've had a few people join. I'm honestly not the biggest social media guy, but it's cool to maybe connect with you guys if you're interested. I know us podcast listeners love to listen and move on with our day, and uh, that, I'm the same way. But uh, it, you know, it might be a way to connect if you're interested in extending the uh, the conversation. So thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. I'll see you after the music. Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri. 
And today, I'm going to look at one of my favorite perspectives out there, a guy named Thomas Chatterton Williams. He wrote an article in The Atlantic, and it's titled, The People Who Don't Read Books. And a little bit of background, I'm a big fan of Williams. Um, he's a philosopher, but he's also a writer. And he, he writes about subjects, and he, he usually connects it to philosophical topics. Um, his The first time I was introduced to Williams, he was he's writing about his childhood in a book called Losing My Cool. And Losing My Cool is about his immersion in hip-hop culture and how his father really helped him grow as a man through philosophy, actually. And so it's a really good book. I love the book. I need to reread it. I read it like 15 years ago or something. I don't know how many years ago. It was a long time ago, but it was a good book, and um, I recommend it. So I, I've always loved his work. He writes a lot of articles, and so he's that rare, rare figure, in my opinion, in our culture who he really is bringing objectivity to culture, cultural criticism, and I appreciate that. You know, a lot of times with writers, whether in the, in the New York Times or the Atlantic or whatever, wherever, you know, any major publication, they typically they typically have a left leftist view or a right-wing view, and it's predictable. You know, you know what they're going to say every single time, and I don't see that with Williams. He really tries to approach topics in a logical way. If anything, I'd say that logic is his approach, and, and I like that. I respect that because it makes his writing unpredictable. But at the same time, even though it's unpredictable, it's always respectable. So that's what I want to say about Williams. Good writer. I mean, great writer. And I really recommend him because he will make you think about things. And in this article, he made me think about things. So the article is about the people who don't read books. It's focused on that topic. And there's also a deeper meaning, the deeper meaning of what it means to be anti-book. So it's, it's, it's also a reflection on a life with books versus a life without books. So there's a lot of things going on, you know, and I really appreciate that because there's layers to this article. One clear argument that he makes, and I think it's something we could all identify with, he compares movies and I guess the modern arts that, that we consume today, well, he compares them to fast food culture. So we kind of jump into this article with this, idea you know what we're consuming is like fast food culture and he wants us to, he wants to bring us back to uh, a slower world and i'm going to come back to that theme a lot and i wonder i wonder what you think about that because i kind of agree and disagree because in a sense you know i understand the social media aspect right social media is definitely fast food culture but blogs for example and this article is honestly a lot like a blog it, blogs can be great Articles can be great. Essays can be great. They can be very insightful and help guide us to understanding topics in a much deeper way. So I disagree with him a little bit, but I get what he's saying. And I get what he's going for. I also just think short form arts can be very influential. Think about like cartoonists. They could really influence public perspectives and they can, they can guide the public in many ways. And they could just bring joy to people's lives. So I, I just, I'm a little bit, you know, I didn't like that part too much, but I get where he's going, going where, where he's going, because it's like social media can be like a fast food culture. Okay, so I did enjoy this article. And like, like many philosophical writers, and Williams is philosophical, he is a philosopher. It made me reflect on life in general. And uh, here's a quote. I want to start this with a quote from the article. So Williams says, when a book succeeds, even partially, it represents a level of concentration and refinement 
a mastery of subject and style strengthened through patience and clarified in revision. So basically, you know, he's talking about the virtues here, right? Patience, mastery, refinement, concentration. As someone who just finished my first book and who's also written many things in the past, I know what he's talking about. You know, I can understand exactly what he's saying. And I think a lot of you can probably as well. I also see this as Williams really emphasizing, and he states this many times in the article, he's emphasizing the virtues of patience, of living a slower life of mastery and reflection. And I definitely can see the, the value in that, right? There are virtues in this lifestyle. We ignore them because it's sort of the antithesis of what our society emphasizes in a capitalist system. But it's good to understand the virtues of an intellectual life. I, I wonder what you think as a listener. Um, you know, what are those virtues? You know, what, but to bring it back to books, because they're kind of similar, what emotions, what positive experiences do you have when you read? That could be one way to answer that question. You know, I often find myself entering deeper thoughts. And that could be whether I'm, you know, reading or listening to a book. But I do enter into like a deeper reflection when I'm engaging with a book versus anything else, really. And I, so I think that's kind of one of these, um, one of the things that this article brought up to me and what it, what it made me examine is, you know, what's the difference in how I engage with a book versus how I engage with an article or a movie or a TV show? You know, those thoughts do feel unique to the book experience, that deep, deep processing that I was just talking about. I can actually remember personal experiences that I've had with books in the past that are like, you know, books I've read like 25, 30 years ago. I could still remember the experience. And I think that's pretty amazing when you think about it, like still remembering an experience from like three decades ago. It's kind of crazy, but it, there's something there. And I think Williams was tapping into that in this article. I actually remember this. It was either from a book about Machiavelli or Montaigne. I can't remember. They may have both done this. They would, um, or one of them would like take a shower or a bath and then dress very nicely before they would engage with books before they would engage it was almost like a a religious ritual they would go through this process and look their best before they would read typically the classics typically something uh from the greeks let's say socrates or aristotle or you know plato and so i thought that was i always thought about that like you know there, that respect that the, the historical figures of the past who really respected the arts had for books. And this article kind of made me connect with that biography that I read a few, few years back. So another topic that Williams brings up is the, the risk of being a non-book reader. You know, it's the contrast, right? So if you're going to be a book reader, you have these virtues. But if you're a non-book reader... This is what could possibly happen. And he, he actually references a few celebrities, Kanye West being the most famous. And we don't have to go into everything Kanye West did, but we all know he's something's going on there. It's not doesn't seem normal, right? So he sees he sees these celebrities. It wasn't just Kanye West. There was a few that he mentions, but they're all anti-book. And he sees them as dangerous. And there's like a pattern that they have that's like, you know, books are not important. Why why are you why are, why should we read books? And to me, you know. This leads them to making these outrageous statements, as we've seen with Kanye West. 
And, and for Williams, the author of this article, it leads to an important discussion on the topic of free thinking. So what is a free thinker? And this is one of these great topics that he, he got me you know, going into and delving into because of this article on books. So what is a free thinker? And he kind of, he made me think about this. What does it mean to be a free thinker? Williams brings up an interesting argument that I totally agree with. He says that a moral background is essential to being a free thinker. That, and that could come from um, studying history, philosophy, religion. I'm, I'm basically paraphrasing Williams here. He had some really fascinating ideas on this subject. He says that you study morality in all its forms. This is like what you initially do as a student. You study morality in all its forms and then you have an inner conflict over what you're studying because, you know, you're kind of like gauging, do you agree with this or not? And that in turn will lead to free thinking. So the point here, and this is very familiar to arguments for a liberal arts education. The point here is that morality is essential to free thinking. You know, an individual needs a basis, needs a foundation. And without that foundation, you end up lost. You end up really and I'm going to go into this in a second, you end up being a contrarian. So this also means that we must respect subjects like history. I'm biased there. But, you know, you, you should respect those subjects like history, philosophy, anything that's helping you understand the past, you know, and understand what, what happened, what occurred in human history uh, to, to take us or to bring us to the present day. So, Really, any subject that has like a long tradition of grappling with deep, big questions, I think, would be appropriate, according to Williams. But Williams also mentions, and I mentioned this before, the tendency to be a contrarian. And this is a tendency that he sees as connected to lacking a foundation. And this article, you know, it, like I said, it had me going to many places because it is fascinating, right? We start with books, but then we're entering into like, you know, books... If you are a free thinker and you're engaging with books, that's great. But the contrast to that is the non-book reader who has no foundation. And that's kind of where you get those dangerous thoughts that we see sometimes from celebrities, from people we respect. And then all of a sudden they say something crazy. So I like the emphasis on having that foundation in some type of moral education. So, uh, you know, to me, the importance of grappling with topics, it's essential for a free thinking person, for sure. And here's how I put this into practice recently in my history class. And I've been, you know, I'm in, I've been engaging and John and I plan on doing a podcast on Theodore Roosevelt. And I, I'm bringing him up because I was actually thinking about Roosevelt when, when, um, and my students started analyzing the Ticketmaster situation with, with monopolies. Uh, or with Ticketmaster, whether or not it is, a, it is a monopoly. And it made me think of Roosevelt. It made me think of how Theodore Roosevelt would have engaged with a company like Ticketmaster. And I asked my students that question. And to me, after studying Roosevelt deeply and having that historical foundation, exactly what Williams is talking about, it definitely helped us grapple with this current event and understand it in a deeper way and add a perspective that we probably wouldn't have had if we didn't understand the Roosevelt, if we didn't understand that historical figure who's so important to American history. So I, I thought that was kind of like my own personal connection that I wonder, you know, I wonder what you think, how you've brought history or philosophy or 
on any other subject that tackles could be literature that tackles big issues how you bring that to current events to 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 modern politics to modern philosophical dilemmas and so to me you know it's it's important to do and i see uh, i see that as essential so I, I also I see I see books as great. You know, of course, I love this article. I see books as great. I, see, I think they are a vital resource. But I do want to say that personally, I'm not as critical because uh, I really want to add this to this podcast. I'm not as critical as Williams is when it comes to people who don't read books. I do see books as essential, vital resource, but I also see them as a means to an end in, in many ways. And in our modern economy, with podcasts, with Audible, like books on um, books that you can listen to through your phone, with blogs, with essays, there's many ways to express thoughts and feelings that books, you know, used to do. It used to, in, pri- in prior times, books were the only way to do it, but now, or the essential way to do it. But now, you know, it's changed, and so I think I am a little bit more open to different ways of expressing thoughts and feelings emotions in general, you know? So I, I don't see the book as necessarily the only model. Maybe it's superior in certain ways and it does lead to a more refined experience, but I don't I don't see it as the only way to engage in an intellectual life. You know, and, and as a consumer, I, I enjoy all these things. I enjoy the podcast. I enjoy Audible. I enjoy everything articles and blogs and i'm sure you're the same way so to me i don't want to judge people and and i I don't want to you know be a little i don't want to be too critical and too unrealistic because there is something sometimes i think of books and i think essential i love them but i could see that at a different point in our history that was the that was the form of entertainment that people went to and because that was the only form that they had it was what people did and so now since there's so much competition maybe it's okay to be open to other other ways of communication that's just what i think you know i love the topic by the way i love how williams connected free thinking to these you know to reading and also these positive skills or at least what i view as positive skills and feelings and thoughts that come from reading. So it's an interesting topic. I wonder what you think. I like Thomas Chatterton Williams. I think he's a very good philosopher. He tries to be objective. He tries to avoid what is popular at the moment. And I think that's essential, you know, if you want to be an independent thinker in in society. And there's a lot of thinkers like Williams, but it's it's cool that he's writing for the for the Atlantic and that he continues to write on uh, many, many interesting topics from, from, from race relations to politics to, uh, to cultural criticism, like with this article. So hopefully this, this podcast got you thinking. I appreciate you listening to the Classics podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to in a few days when uh, John and I talk about Theodore Roosevelt. At least that's the goal. So we're going to try to talk about Teddy Roosevelt and uh, the importance of his presidency and how he was sort of like the, uh, the first modern president. So thanks for listening. I'll see you in a few days. Mm-hmm.